Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. I am so grateful to have Grant Iflender in our midst today. He is my guest. He is a yoga teacher living in Costa Rica who believes in the power of nature. He is here to revive the magical and mystical aspects of life. And he is also the author of How to Use Breathwork to Improve Your Relationships and Enhance Your Sex Life, which is available on Amazon right now. So let's get into it. Here we go. Welcome, Grant. I'm going to unpin. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty awesome. Yeah, it's been a good day so far. When did you uh, release your book? Is that what it's called or, or publish when, when you're in the book realm? What's the day that it drops called? <laughs> the release date, publishing release date, date um, was May of this year. Mm -hmm. oh, okay, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Was that the product of like one giant inspiration or sort of something that you had been accumulating over several years? Yeah, it was a, you know, it's funny because it took me like nine months to write it because I got a pretty clear message that this was the title of the book. Like there, there'd been many book ideas that I've been circulating, you know, being a writer. Um, there'd been many ideas that had come through and I would start and not finish any of the projects. And so this was like three years of me starting and not finishing books. And I had all these like unedited manuscripts. And, and then finally I got the clear download that this was the name of the book you needed to write on this topic. And, um, and so I started writing and, it, and I wrote and wrote and wrote for nine months and did some editing and revisions and re-editing. And, and then I got to a point where I felt like the book was done and something really hilarious happened. And I just was like, oh, I can't publish this. This isn't, this isn't the material that needs to be in this book. So I took it all out and then I rewrote the entire thing in like three days. And so Whoa. it was like this huge, my own sort of mind dump process and then a absolute revision of all the material into something really succinct because I wanted the book to get the point across in a very succinct way without bogging people down with like needing to read hundreds of pages. So I was just, all right, let's just make it clear and summarized and straightforward. And, and I think I got the job done. That's really, um, that really reminds me a lot of, of my writing processes. I, I haven't written a book, but I can totally relate to writing and writing and writing, getting rid of everything, but that sort of taught you how to write it. Like, okay, we're not writing about that, <laughs> but now I know what this is about. So it comes out a lot clearer, clearer, right? Exactly. Yep. That's really interesting. Yeah. So, but I imagine the practices you have been working on for, for a while. Yeah. Yeah. The, the breathwork practices that I'm referring to in the book, um, those have been part of my daily thing for probably, let me see, what, 2022, seven years, going on seven years of, of 
consistency with some particular techniques that I introduce. So um, I've really gotten to know them quite uh, intimately, you could say. Where, where did you get them from or did you develop them or how, how did they come to be in your practice? God, that's such a good question. Like, where did the family recipe come from? You know, it's like, <laughs> grandma gave me the, the spaghetti recipe and like a tablecloth. Um, I, so I met my teacher in 2016. I met one of my teachers in 2015, and then I met my other teacher in 2016. These are both yoga teachers of mine whom uh, have been kind of the reason that I'm where I am today as I'm sure you can attest, like you meet that, that person or those people who really influence your path. And, um, and so, yeah, one of the techniques, um, or all the techniques essentially come down through those lineages. So, and are these like, when you say yoga teachers, are they people that we would know in the West or are these like yogis sitting on top of the Himalayas or? <laughs> secret, yeah, secret cave dwelling areas. No, there's a, yeah. Um, so Steve Harrison is a Hatha yoga teacher in England. He has a yoga school called the Yoga Sanctuary. And uh, he is currently building an ashram in southern England. And he's an extraordinary human. Uh, I pay homage and respect to him um, and all of the practices that I do because of how influential he's been for me and uh and he yeah he passed to me one particular technique that i introduced in the book that has just been so effective for me and um and i like you know i'm one of those people that i like to find something that works and i just don't stray away from it you know i, I don't keep looking for something else i just like you know i find my favorite coffee shop or my favorite brand of something and i just like i just go there you know and i get because then my energy is free to do other stuff, you know, and I can truly be creative. And so I really like, you know, a lot of the results that I've, that I've received from my time practicing has been because of simplicity and consistency, mm. <laughs> you know, overcomplicate it. And, and I just stay consistent and keep it simple. And, uh, and, you know, cause these, these methodologies, the, the yogic technology, it just works. Like, it's just, interfacing with the human biology and the nervous system in a very direct, very pragmatic, very straightforward way. And, um, and I love that, you know, I love, I love things that work. So, yeah. so was there one mm -hmm. other person that you wanted to talk about or? And then Naga Nath, who is a, uh, he, I would consider him, I don't even know if he would call himself my teacher, but he definitely has been a massive, massive teacher of mine and guide. And because uh, he was the one who introduced me to working with the fire and particularly working and having a relationship with the, with the fire through the, um, you know, these are Vedic tantric practices going back very long time and uh, using the fire as sort of your, your laboratory, you know, your, your laboratory to do your own process with. Do you mean like um, an actual physical fire, like a puja type thing? Or do you mean like a, okay, I was wondering yeah. if you meant like an inner, actual inner fire. Yeah, actual, inner, well, the outer fire, of course, represents the inner fire. And so you have this, you create this relationship between 
you and the element of fire, but the, having the live fire there in front of you that you can then bring to life and then feed with, with fuel from your, you know, your stash of wood, or if you have cow dung or, or ghee, you know, you can offer these things to the fire, of course. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So are these, and are, are these practices ones that you would do sitting down, laying down? I, I've been introduced to like breath work that's sort of like circular breathing that you have to do kind of laying down. It's like an hour type type thing or, but I've also like done breath work within the context of a yoga class. Could you give me kind of a feel for what, what sort of space would be required for doing Mm -hmm. this breath work? Totally. Yeah. So my, and I say this in the book, so I can, you know, it's like, there's like consistency there and, and what I'm, mostly trying to convey to my audience and to people who come to me to learn yoga is that creating a practice that's doable that you can just have you know because an hour laying down and doing breathing if you do that every day i don't know if you're going to be able to get up and do your (laughs) job you know what i mean like it's just going to take you places that you may not be prepared or want to go and and so there's i i emphasize a gradual opening to the nervous system a gentle approach that when you combine it with the understanding about what's happening and what you're trying to achieve it starts to open up the what we would call the sexual energy, but it's really just energy. It's just Kundalini energy, the the energy of creation and our ability to sense and perceive life as it is and not as we are projecting it to be. And that is possible through working with the breath in. uh, Yeah, in the way that I that I am a supporter of, you know, I didn't make it up. It's just something that I have discovered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and in working with these these teachers, you've kind of concocted your your practice. So it seems like you've sort of picked a few things that work really well. Am I understanding it correctly? Yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. cool. I tend to tend to stay close to the script, with room to be experimental and explore because I think that innovation is valuable and I think like honoring the tradition in a way that's not rigid you know like just honoring it like oh like thanks Steve you gave me something that works like I'm gonna I will continue to plow the field that you've prepared for me knowing that I can also reap my own fruit in that field and so does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So if like it came to you to do something slightly different, you would explore that? Sort of. I kind of do an inner exploration while the process on the outside is happening. And the inner process starts to shape itself around what my particular needs are. And so an example of this is like, you know, the technique I introduced in the book is called the double breathing Kriya. You know, I can just, I can, we can do it together if you want. It's, it's really sure. a simple. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Okay. All right. And if you're, if anybody who's listening wants to join, they're welcome to join, but please don't be driving a car. Please be, and you're asked about laying down. I would recommend sitting up. You can be sitting in a chair. Um, 
And so what, what I'll suggest is we'll just take two minutes to have a little experience together and then I can talk more about it. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right. Well, Porter, thank you for joining me in this journey of breath and interacting with our life force. So I'm going to invite you just to close your eyes. Again, this is called the double breathing Kriya. A Kriya is an activity that opens up energy in your body that allows you to have more energy available to feel and work with. And it's called double breathing because we do a particular thing with our breath and it sounds like this. So it's twice in through the nose and then twice through the mouth. Good, let's keep doing that. Good, keep going. And as you're going, see if you can add a little, a little tail to the breath. Good, keep going. We're gonna do maybe like six or seven more. There's a little tail to the inhale. A little tail to the exhale. And then as you're doing this, relax your shoulders. Relax your heart. Relax your chest. Relax your throat and your brain. And then now let your belly inflate. Two more. Last one. Now we're going to empty. Exhale completely. Eyes are closed. Yeah, empty the lungs. Beautiful. And now we receive what's called the gathering breath and we receive a nice slow inhale through your nose. I say receive because you're not taking it. You're just sort of opening and allowing the inhale to wake its way in. Keep inhaling, keep inhaling, relaxing your body, allowing the inhale to come into you. And once you get to the top of the inhale breath, you just relax your body, you gently hold the breath. You are now interacting with a larger amount of energy in your body and you're holding it. This is the Shakti and you're creating a container around it to, to hold that Shakti in your system. And so you're relaxed, you're focused. While holding this energy, start to exhale. See if you can kind of keep your body in this expanded space, but you're exhaling now while sort of still opening. just rest in this empty space where the breath has subsided. If you can, you might be able to hold the breath out for a period of time. It might feel really good to do so. And if you were doing this on your own, I would invite you to explore this emptiness. But since we're doing it together, I'll guide you to take a recovery breath. So inhale now, breathe in through your nose. 
Relax the heart, relax the face, relax the jaw. Breath is held for three, two, and we sort of dedicate this energy to something good that we feel in our heart. One, and exhale, release. You can just rest for a few moments. The breath will return to normal. The eyes can remain closed as you just feel what has taken place in your system. See if you can notice if there's any difference. Saying own the experience that you had, you own your, your awakening process, you own this, this movement of life force in your body, a really healthy thing to do. And then again, we dedicate all of this goodness, any, anything that's shifted or moved in you through your Kriya, of course, to a, a good thing for, for yourself, for the people in your life, and for, we say, all our relations. May all of our relations benefit from, from this. Exhale, empty. And just relax your body and you can gently open your eyes and breathe in when you are ready. That was awesome. Thank you. I love it when, when a spontaneous practice emerges on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good to have the experience, you know. I have a question. I experienced this sort of like worm in my stomach, like pulsing, which I've never experienced before in breath work. <laughs> have that ever happened to you? It was like this boom, boom, but it felt like a worm, like it was kind of thin and juicy, like Like in a good way? It was pretty weird. It was pretty weird. Yeah. Do you know what, what point in the process you really felt it? Was it when I directed you to feel the abdomen? No, it was after we finished the, the breath cycle. Uh-huh. And I can't remember what the first thing we did. Was it hold the breath? Yep. Yeah, it was in that. I think it was in that time. Okay. It's very interesting. It was like a pulse in my stomach. Do you know, did it mimic your heartbeat? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, <laughs> I don't know what to say about it, but it could yeah, be. I... <laughs> you know, the, one of the things I point to in the book and that I talk about with, when we're exploring these practices is it's, we're really, you know, yoga is a process of becoming more aware of what's happening inside of us. Mm. And it's, you know, unfortunately in the West, the, the way that yoga has been commodified is that it, it becomes about like showmanship and, and gymnastics, you know, even which is so far from the point. And, mm -hmm. and in our ancient, um, our, our, the practitioners that passed these tools to us wanted us just to know what was happening inside of the self so that we could discern between what is out what is not ours and what is ours like that's the whole point of yoga mm -hmm. isolating the soul so that the soul is what is um on the center stage i guess you could say mm -hmm. yeah that's that's kind of it's kind of the downfall of every organized everything isn't it i mean 
somebody has like a great inspiration and they're like, I have this amazing truth to tell you about yourself. And they're like, great. What do we eat? What do we wear? How do we make, you know, <laughs> yes. how can we show that we feel that too, without actually feeling it? <laughs> oh man. You really nailed it there though. I, uh, so, so accurately depicts the situation that we're facing, you know? And, and I think that ties in with the, you know, the conversation about, you know, why the double breathing, because I don't want to complicate the teaching. You know, I don't want, I don't want people who come to me to try to empower themselves to improve their relationships or enhance their sex life or, you know, I put that title on the book because I knew that that would capture attention. Hmm. You know? <laughs> it wasn't like I was trying to sell sex or anything like that. I was like, I mean, yes, sex sells. We know that. But what I'm trying to sell is, can we improve our relationships to ourselves so that we can have more positive inter uh, personal relationships, you know, with, with others. And, and that's really the point of the book is to support people who are trying to do a good thing. And they are seeking, you know, a lot of, many people are seeking legitimately but there's a lot of what I feel is like the kind of the runaround and the, and the, Hey, like sign up for my program and like, we'll do this thing. And it's like, what if I just give you a really simple, effective tool that you can do right now and the book costs 10 bucks or whatever. And then then like, you know, great, take it and run with it. I hope more people do that. You know, it's like, it should be free, but we don't value things that are free. So. Well, I really enjoyed that. I I assumed when you were going to have me do like two inhales, two exhales, that or like sniff through the nose and then exhale through. I assumed that there was going to be some sort of like discomfort in that. Mm -hmm. um, but there wasn't any, which was kind of cool. Because mm -hmm. um, sometimes I get a little uncomfortable with, with breath work. Not that yeah. that would be a reason not to do it, but it does, it can feel like you're kind of out of control and oh my God, do I have to keep breathing this way? And I feel sort of, you know. Um, so I appreciated that it was, uh, <laughs> it, it actually felt very comfortable. Do you have like a comfortable experience? Are there times when it's a little confrontational or? Yeah. Um, I mean, especially if you do it enough, I mean, take any, anything that you do enough is, mm -hmm. is bound to become confrontational after a certain point. And I, and I think that's kind of the the way that it's set up if you have a legitimate practice that is that you're using to help you grow and become a better human being you're you're kind of creating a container with the guarantee that if you stay in the container you're going to confront some things <laughs> you know like that's sort of the idea of of submitting yourself to a practice and and um, so, yeah, there are times where it's confrontational for me. And, and I think, you know, as I was saying earlier, why I've stuck with this practice over the past seven years is because um, the, like, the inner dimension starts to open up. The subtlety of it starts to open up more and more. And so even though it looks the same on the outside, it is a completely different practice today than it was when I first started doing it. And, and it continues to uh, give me new insights and new juice, you know, there's new juice to squeeze. And um, 
and you can of course you know depending on your your personal cycle you know especially for women you know having a cycle there are times where you're you're more chemically prepared for intensity mm-hmm. and there are times when you're not as as chemically prepared for intensity you know and so i think that it's important to understand the cyclical nature of things too you know men also have a similar not the same but similar pattern and so and what i mean by that and and uh, like the uh, yeah what i mean by that is is you can increase the intensity through which you engage with the technique depending on where you are personally but mm-hmm. the idea is the technique remains the technique you don't shy away from it it just is like a structure to fall back on do you when you say you so you do this every day is that what you mean by daily yeah yeah is does that ever feel like are there days where you actually like have ever not been able to physically and is there like a self-forgiveness there or like how how do you kind of approach that aspect of your practice i'm curious um i i get what you're saying i'm kind of extreme about certain things (laughs) (laughs) i'm kind of extreme and uh you know, there, I mean, there's been days where I've, I've missed it, you know, they're very few. And mm-hmm. like, if, if I didn't do it one day, then the, it, there's like, oh, okay, like it happened. I don't, I don't really even think about it. You know, it's mm-hmm. like brushing my teeth, you know, like there's days where you, you might, for whatever reason, not have your toothbrush and you have to brush with your finger or you might not even be able to brush your teeth, you know, and you know, things happen. And it's not like I'm like laying in bed at night and I'm like, dang it, I didn't brush my teeth. Like, how am I going to make up for that? You know? So, so the, I guess the idea that I'm, that I'm wanting to convey, and this is something I share with my students is you want to get to a point with your, your spiritual practice that it is as normal Mm -hmm. as every other daily thing that you would do just to take care of yourself. Because it's it's appalling that we separate spirituality from normal life. It's like, wh- where did that start to happen? You know, the, the two are inseparable if they're if it is truly spiritual. And, it, you know, it's like the extraordinary is in the ordinary and sacred in the mundane. You know, you're, you're like, yeah, I think you you understand, too, what I'm what I'm referring to. You know, And so that's sort of the attitude. It's like, oh, you missed a day. OK, if you miss a day brushing your teeth, what happens the next day? You hopefully brush your teeth, you know? (laughs) That's so interesting that you use the toothbrushing example because one, I've heard that before, but two, like I cannot imagine not brushing my teeth. I mean, I brush my teeth like three, four, sometimes five. I'm I'm pretty, I'm extreme about brushing my teeth. (laughs) The idea of not, I'm like, that time, I mean, I can't even think of a time when I have not brushed my teeth. (laughs) Well, I can't think of a time that I haven't done the double breathing, you know? Right, right. It's sort of the same and and in but but imagine if so imagine if one no one ever taught you how to brush your teeth and two they gave you a really shitty tool to do it mm. and you were like it was like painful and you're like mm. fuck i really don't want to brush my teeth today you know and that's that's sort of what's happening with like the whole blowing blowing up of breath work is like there's these huge breath work modalities holotropic breath transfer i mean you name it there's all these different names to the transformational breath work, but it's like, who's gonna get up in the morning and do that by themselves? You know, mm. not in a container with like mm. people, you know, and sage and all this stuff. It's like, 
transformation happens in the secret quiet moment of the morning before you approach your day and it's between you and you and that's it you can't pay money for it you can't learn it in a workshop it's like that five minutes or 10 minutes or 20 or, or an hour or however many however much time you dedicate to you you know before the world happens that's where the magic is and if you can add a little bit of a you know a technique that actually produces a, a result a chemical change in your body then yeah you're starting to move in a good direction i think yeah that's i, I was just thinking as you were saying that like i think when people have um when people hear about maybe doing like a daily practice or whatever, it does tend to seem like this real, really time intensive, like, my gosh, if I, if I miss a day, I should like self-flagellate, you know? Like. <laughs> right. Right. Oh my gosh. Totally. Yeah. Which is, which is sort of defeating. It's definitely defeats the, the purpose in, in a sense. And it does. Yeah. Yeah. It creates yeah. a weird, but I, it, it's funny cause I've heard that toothbrush metaphor, but I, I don't think it ever really registered like it does, like it did when you were describing it, just how, how normal something like that could become mm -hmm. to someone, yeah. you know, yeah. like when I was, when I was doing Kundalini yoga, um, it was part of my daily practice because if I didn't do it, then I was bad. And I was, I was not, you know, I was not upholding my, my oath to myself or to my community or, um, right. you know, I, I deserved all of the problems that I would have during that day when I didn't do my, you know, those sorts of things. And that's, that's not, that's not the energy, um, mm -hmm. of, of self, of self care that you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah, and that's a great topic, you know, self-care. It's like, you know, sometimes I see those, like, the memes. It's like, sometimes self-care is having ice cream and watching Netflix. <laughs> really? Is that actually caring for yourself? Like, really, if you're honest about that, you know? I mean, sure, I, I have those nights, too. Yeah. Definitely, I'm not, I'm not, I'm a human being. I, I do that. But I don't, I don't think that that's actually self-care. I think that's me just like, I need to distract myself and numb out. And like, yeah. I'm fully honest with myself. I'm real about it. There is forgiveness in it, you know, but, it, but it's like, it's what I'm doing. You know, I'm just calling it like it is. Yeah. And like an actual self-care practice on that night, if we're using that example, might be taking a bath and listening to some music and like chilling out, like really like softening, you know? And, and I think that's a... I think we've lost the art of subtlety in our culture. And instead of softening, we just numb, you know, we just desensitize. And like, that's another aspect that I want to come across, get across in the book is like, if you want to become a great lover, learn how to feel, mm. you know, learn how to listen to your body, to what's happening inside of you. And the, the kumbhaka, you know, the breath retention, which is a big part of yogic breathing, is all about learning how to feel and be aware of the energy. Like I, what I instructed you when you held the breath in, it's like, you know, you just went through a process to generate energy, to move energy in the body. 
And if you could just hold that for a moment, you know, you're holding space for more life mm -hmm. and that allows you to feel deeper, to not run away from feeling, you know, that's something that we do. We, we feel too much and then we run away from it. I'm saying we, but I'm like referring to what's, what's sort of a generalization, but I think you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. That's a great point about our kind of, uh, what would you call it? distorted sense of what self-care can be, or even self-love. I, I was, I actually almost made a podcast about this in terms of like the body positivity movement, because I think that's really fascinating. I definitely think everyone should love their body, but like, are you really loving your body if you're binge eating? Like, is that really love? You know? Totally. I, I'm gonna say no um, more. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, um, I think that we kind of get these, we get these like what trending concepts or like buzzwords, you know, like self-care, self-love, you know, love your body or whatever, but we don't actually, we haven't actually done the work to to feel what that actually feels like, you know, it comes back to like, what can I wear? What can I, what can I eat to show you that I, you know, that I'm feeling this without actually, without actually feeling it. I mean, it's like the, I think just gen, generally, if I'm speaking about like most human beings, myself included, it's really helpful for me just to do some hard shit, hmm. you know? And, and I don't mean like physically hard. I mean like the thing I don't want to do. It's good to do that sometimes. Mm -hmm. Not like all the time. Yeah, yeah. Force yourself, you know, don't, don't beat yourself on the back. But like to get into a place in your own sort of uh, consciousness or your own awareness where like doing something that might seem impossible doesn't seem so impossible. You know, like if I told someone like, hey, just skip dinner, you know, mm. and like, they're like, no way, I can't. There's I could never skip a meal. I'm like, mm. your reaction to even giving <laughs> up something is causing you more trouble, yeah. you know, and and I think just the ability to just say like, yeah, I can endure a little bit, you know, no, no big deal. It's not like I'm like hardcore, you know, it's not extreme. But to be able to endure a little bit, I think it's a good thing. And I think that allows us to deepen into subtlety as well. Because then we get to like those doorways where, you know, we have to kind of, we're bumping up against like the edge of our ego. And the ego's like, no, go back. If you don't go back, you're going to die. And it's like, you're not going to die. You know, ice water is not going to kill anybody. Taking a cold shower is not going to kill anybody. You know, it's just going to challenge you a little bit. And that's a good thing. Yeah, that's that's a good point. <laughs> I was thinking about that when you said the dinner thing. I remember listening to the statistic that more if people were given the option between changing their diet or changing their religion, like di uh, religion was the was the one that was the most. Um, yeah, that's isn't that crazy? Hilarious. That's crazy. Well, diet has become a form of religion. For many that's people. true i wonder if it's kind of evolved and, and they're like well, neither because i am now vegan by religion or <laughs> keto by religion yeah. it's so true and it's it is interesting you know it's the way the, the way the world has has been created for us to yeah yeah formulate our beliefs around things and then buy into them so deeply you know
So are you doing um, like live teaching while you're in Costa Rica? Are you, what, what, is, what are you doing in Costa Rica? May I ask? What am I doing in Costa yeah. Rica? Living my best life. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, so I came, I actually, so I had a yoga school in Chandler, Arizona for several years. And which I met you in Phoenix, actually, yeah, yeah. I, to one of your concerts, which was amazing. Hallelujah. Amen. Like, <laughs> I listened to that the other day. I was like, such a good song. Um, yeah. And uh, but I moved down here because I was ready to um, really deepen my own practice, like number one. And I felt like being immersed in nature, like was kind of imperative for that. Like I was, you know, this was during COVID too. This was during mm -hmm. the pandemic. Okay. And I was just seeing what was happening in the world and feeling it. And I just, I felt like the best thing I could do for the health of the, of, of you know, not just my own health, but the health of, of the whole thing was like, kind of go isolate in the jungle, you know? <laughs> and what ended up happening was there's a lot of, amazing growth opportunities and my, my path as a sacred musician opened up and I started to really get into my music and because I you know I kind of had to step away from teaching so much to grow as a teacher and I had to go back into my own laboratory and practice a lot without interfacing with students so much and and so the past two years that I've been here I moved here in October so almost two years ago exactly um, it's just been a, a really big, expansive path of growth of, um, you know, getting more into writing, um, creating retreats. So like deeper dive containers where people can really immerse themselves in the yoga experience and, and get a sense for what I'm talking about. Um, and then another really big perk is that's helped me like get the chutzpah, you know, to launch my, my first yoga teacher training, which has been like a huge vision of mine for years. I'm like, I just haven't done it, you know? And, and so finally I'm just like, all right, we're doing a yoga teacher training and it's happening. And, uh, so it's together. It's, it's being launched in January is the start date. Cool. So can people sign up for that now? Is that open? Applications are open until October 15th. So it's, cool open now and I'm inviting in like just the right people you know it's it's really important that I get the right crew together for this and uh and so there's an application and process and an interview process and and it's gonna be pretty involved so I'm really cool. really looking forward to it it sounds like it's might be you're trying to keep it kind of a small group I'm open for 12 and then I'm going to give a couple scholarships okay. so it's uh, and if anybody is listening, I don't know if you want to throw that in the in the notes, but keepersoftheearth.co is where you can find out more information. Yeah, I definitely keepersoftheearth.co. Um, I will definitely put all the your links in the podcast description notes so people can click on those and find out more about you. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Does there anything else that you wanted to share while we're on the, the podcast? Is there something we missed? I think the number one thing that I'm like my main message, I guess, like if I were to distill like what Grant wants to get across to the world, it's like just to really learn as individuals how to truly empower ourselves. Mm 
and and what that even means you know because there's the whole movement of like taking our power back and this sort of thing and it's like yeah but there's also a, there's even a deeper process to that and I, it's like so how do we empower ourselves and get in alignment with nature with life with each other you know because becoming empowered isn't about taking anything from you it's mm-hmm. very much the opposite of that it's it's about giving everything and by by empowering yourself your whole community all of your relationships you know prana just starts flowing the life force just start the intelligence of life starts to do what it's designed to do and that is what i want to help create is the environments where that can happen and um you know to do everything i can to do that for myself too of course mm-hmm. do you have any retreats coming up as well there is uh so i'll be in arizona november 8 uh 17th to the end of november um oh let me back up i have a couples retreat if one couple one is listening and they want to come to costa rica that's november 10th to the 13th it's a couples retreat with my partner and i that we're leading there's only spot for one more couple um and then there's a small mini retreat weekend happening at my yoga school in chandler and then the then the yoga teacher training starts in january so it's like november i get a month off and then 21 days of of immersion and learning Wow, and that's on site? They're all coming to Costa Rica? Yeah, it's a 21 day on site immersion. Nice. Yes. Yeah. You should totally come. Come on down. You would have such a good time. I, can I bring my two kids? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. We'll talk. Um, what's, what's your uh, website and how can people get in touch with you? So I'm going to direct people to the keepersoftheearth.co website for the yoga school and then if they want to know more about me grantiflander.com cool i'm i've always been curious actually seeing your last name what's the origin of iflander you know i went to poland to figure this out it's actually german but at the time, so I went to the birthplace of my great, great grandfather, which was a town in what is modern day Poland okay. called uh, Elblog was the town name that I went to. But a hundred years ago when he was born, it was called Elbing and it was in Germany. But because of World War One changed the borders. And so I, I went on this whole wild goose chase took a train from Germany to this random little village and then met this woman who actually could read the birth chart because the names had changed. And she was like, yeah, this is the town. And like, she took me on this like crazy. And then I went to this old German graveyard in the middle of the forest. And like, it was a really cool cool experience. Let me tell you, it was like deep spiritual journey. And like, I didn't have a connection to my ancestors before that. And now I feel like they're like, kind of like angels on my shoulder. It sounds weird, but it really feels that way now. No, I get that. I had a similar experience actually, because I live in Washington. That's where my mom's family's from. And I'd never really, uh, I'd never really explored it much um, or really been here before I moved here. And 
I got to go where my, my parents or my, my, my parents, my mom and my uncle would go for the summer and he showed me around and like, this was their childhood home and stuff. I totally get that. I, I wouldn't have assumed it would be that powerful, but mm. yeah, going back to where your ancestors are from is pretty cool. I mean, the memory is stored in the DNA, yeah. you know, DNA records information and that's not made up that's like actually happening and i don't know i can't say what is the result of that but <laughs> i felt it you know and it felt like uh felt like i did a good thing you know did it feel like you did a good thing like doing yeah, it yeah yeah there's like, this great book that's about this guy he's he's a jewish man from new york or from the states somewhere but he wants to go and like kind of do a similar thing for you. His, his grand, his ancestors were in Auschwitz. And so he does this whole, like, it's oh. such a, it's such a funny book. I, I can't remember. It's like they, everything lights up or, or everything is illuminated. Everything what? is illuminated. It's, it is, it's such a cute, it's, it's such a, a wonderful book. I remember reading, but that's what re reminded me of it because he's, he also goes to Poland and he's vegetarian. So it's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah yeah um well thank you so much grant iflander um grant iflander.com and keepers of the earth.co you can get in touch with him and um yeah we will see you in the next episode and have a wonderful day all right bye bye Thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please remember to like, rate, subscribe, whatever your service offers you as a way to engage and let others know that you're enjoying it so it gets shared with more people.